Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that this evening as we gather together to remember Jesus' birth, that we might understand the word that you caused to be written down about him so that we may be changed and so we may rejoice along with the angels and the shepherds. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder where you will go for Christmas joy this year. Uh, near the top of uh, my list is our annual uh, family trip to the theatre, and this year we're going to see Peter Pan Goes Wrong. And I am eagerly looking forward to side-splitting laughter, tears rolling down my face, and the great embarrassment of my family at the end when they discover just how much I enjoy slapstick humour. Our reading from Luke's Gospel shows us where to find the greatest Christmas joy of all. Uh, the two verses from that reading are printed there uh, in your program. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. It may be this evening that for some of us, Christmas kind of belongs in that same make-believe category as Peter Pan. But I wonder if you noticed in that reading from Luke's Gospel how alongside angels and a virgin's birth, he tells us about historical people, the Emperor Augustus, Quirinius, the governor. He tells us about historical events, the census. He tells us about real places, Nazareth in Galilee, Bethlehem in Judea, because he wants us to know that Christmas does not belong in a fairy tale, belongs in the real world. The shepherds, they were rightly afraid of the angel. And it may be that we fear many things this Christmas. We fear buying the wrong presents. We fear putting on too much weight. We fear January's credit card bill. We fear a global conflict. We fear um, a pandemic or climate change or family arguments or ill health or bereavement. We fear many things. But the historical reality of Christmas means we can discover great joy in the midst of our great fears, just like the shepherds did. The shepherds' words give us three reasons to rejoice, Two re three reasons to find joy. First of all, the Saviour is born. The Saviour is born. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. This year's Marks and Spencer's Christmas advert came into a lot, in for a lot of criticism. The tagline was, love uh, thismus, not thatmus. And the ad featured various celebrities, none of whom I'd ever heard of, uh, taking baseball bats and shredders and blowtorches to various different Christmas traditions. And the idea being, I think, that we need saving from Christmas. We need saving from awkward games of charades and writing Christmas cards. We need saving from tedious board games and making homemade Christmas decorations. Out goes thatmus the way we've always done Christmas before, fitting in around others, and in comes thismus, with me and my desires and my loves at the centre. And the tagline, the voiceover, sorry, said, this Christmas do only what you love. So my great thanks go to Marks and Spencers for giving a brilliant 21st century illustration of the ancient reality the Bible calls sin. Because doing only what 
you love is not what's going to save you. That is what we need saving from. Doing only what you love does not lead to joy. It leads to fear. It leads to fear that what I love is actually going to disappoint me. It leads fear to you're going to get in the way of me getting what I love. And most tragically of all, doing only what you love leads to a joyless fear of God. Because when I put my loves ahead of what God loves, then I become an enemy of God, not a friend of God. The prophet described that joyless fear in one of our earlier readings as walking in darkness. And that is a reality the people of God back then experienced under Roman occupation. And it is a reality we all experience today under the darkest shadow of all of death, which is the ultimate consequence of sin and our greatest fear. Have you ever noticed how many, so many um, Christmas movies are associated with this idea of salvation and a Christmas uh, and a saviour? So um, the Who's, they save Christmas from the Grinch. Um, Kevin saves Christmas from Marvin Frank twice. And my favourite, or at least it's my current favourite, I've watched it once already this year, and no doubt I'll watch it again, is the BBC comedy Click and Collect. It is more slapstick humour. If you've not seen it, you really should. It's on iPlayer. Uh, Andrew and his um, annoying neighbour, Dev, save, Christmas from, uh, save Andrew's daughter's Christmas from a chemistry set by driving all the way from Bedford to Carlisle to Click and Collect an overpriced sparkly unicorn. Christmas, though, itself is the greatest salvation story of all. Unlike the prophets and teachers of other, of other belief systems, that secular and religious, Jesus doesn't tell people how to be saved. Jesus was born to be the saviour, to save people. And you see, doing only what he loved meant loving us enough to come into the world to be laid in a manger, to die on a cross. Christmas replaces fear with joy, first because the Saviour is born. That glorious night, God's salvation light shone from heaven upon the earth into the dark world of sin. As the angel said, the Saviour is born. But not only as Saviour, also as King. The second reason why there is joy at Christmas is the Saviour is born, second the Messiah is born. The angel says, today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah. Well, I looked up at celebrity babies born in 2023, and near the top of the list were Paris Hilton's daughter, London, and Rihanna's son, Riot Rocky. Who knows why on earth you call your son Riot, but never mind. Those children, they are born into great wealth and privilege, but they don't receive a title upon their birthday, do they? Not even every royal child receives a royal title when he or she is born. But Jesus is given a royal title the moment he is born, because that is what the word Messiah means. It means God's promised king. It is the one the people of God have been waiting hundreds of years for. Isaiah described him, or described it, it said, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. Uh, one tradition that didn't feature in that Marks and Spencer's Christmas advert was jigsaws. Now, I love a Christmas jigsaw. My family absolutely hate 
Christmas jigsaws. And for some reason, they just don't understand the joy of putting together a, a picture when you already know what the picture is. It's a great source of disappointment to me every year that no one else wants to make the Christmas jigsaw. But whether we enjoy a real-life jigsaw or not, is it true, isn't it, that life is a bit like a jigsaw? We're like, we take all these different pieces of life and we try to put them together in, in, a, in a picture that looks right, that feels right for us. And perhaps we think, well, Jesus and the Christian faith, he could be another little piece that we could put into the jigsaw. And maybe Jesus will add some kind of depth when my life feels a bit superficial. Maybe the Christian faith could add a little bit of mystery when life feels a bit too mundane. Jesus wasn't born to be part of my jigsaw. Jesus isn't interested in building jigsaws. Jesus is interested in building a kingdom. And listen again to how Isaiah describes his kingdom. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Jesus was not born to be a consultant. You know, a consultant who might come and say, well, here are a few little changes you might like to consider making to your life. Jesus was born to be a king who would establish a kingdom of perfect justice and perfect peace forever, everywhere where all the unjust things and all the wrong things of this world are consigned to ancient history. And you and I, we get to be part of that kingdom if we submit to him as our king. Now that may sound uncomfortable or a little bit unwelcome, and believe me, as a Christian person, it is often uncomfortable and a little bit unwelcome to submit to Jesus as your king. But Jesus knows what's best for us. His kingdom isn't, his rule isn't one of fear, but of joy. How could it be anything else? Again, listen to how the prophet Isaiah describes this king. He says, He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And yet we might wonder, how could this child born in a manger have such extraordinary names? How can Jesus be Savior and Messiah? over God's kingdom. How can we know for sure today that he can give us great joy? Well, because of the third title that the angel announced that night. The Lord is born. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Peter Pan is a make-believe boy in a make-believe world. The child lying in the manger truly is a visitor from another world. He is God himself. And the angel's words were proved in the life that Jesus lived. He healed the sick and raised the dead. He gave sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. And he made the, the mute speak. He walked on water, calmed a storm, fed 5,000 people. He taught with God's authority. He lived a sinless life. He was raised from the dead. Human beings have never found it easy to wrap their heads around the idea that God could become a man. 
But what Luke just hints at, John, another gospel writer, the one reading we just heard, he really goes to town on it. Do you remember he said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He says the Word, this is how John describes Christmas, he says the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory as of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John wrote those words to describe Christmas. Around 300 years after that, the church leader Augustine preached a Christmas sermon. I discovered a little bit of this sermon this year. He also goes to town on the idea, the reality that Jesus is the Lord. Just listen to how he describes it. Jesus is the revealer of his father, the creator of his mother. Son of God, born of the father without a mother. Son of man, born of a mother without a father. The word as God existing before all time. The word as flesh existing only for an allotted time. The creator of the sun, created under the light of the sun. Maker of heaven and earth, brought forth on this earth, overshadowed by the heavens. Unspeakably wise, wisely speechless. Filling the whole world, lying in a manger. Guiding the stars and nursling at the breast. And if you find that hard to comprehend, you are supposed to. You are not alone. The reality that the baby in the manger is God himself is meant to overwhelm us. The first Christmas, the Lord is born. And so Jesus really can secure salvation from sin. He really can rule his kingdom of peace and justice everywhere forever. He really can replace all the fear that we have in our life with great joy because he is the Lord. And the greatest joy of all is knowing him. There will be many different responses, or at least two different responses in our households to the joy of Peter Pan goes wrong. And not all of them will be as joyful as mine. What sort of response is God looking for from us as we hear the angel's words that Jesus is Savior, Messiah, and Lord? Well, Luke, in his reading, shows us at least three, and we're going to finish by considering those briefly. First of all, go and see. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. The shepherds hear the news and they go and check it out for themselves. And that is what you and I can do as well, if you're here this evening, you don't yet believe that Jesus is Savior, Messiah, Lord. We would love to encourage you to go and see that in your program you should have received a little booklet. That's a good place to start. Another thing you could do is come to a course we're running in January just for four weeks called Essentials, looking at some of the big questions of the Christian faith. We'll hear more about that later. Again, you received an invitation. Or simply come back to church with us as Christian people. That is all we are doing, going and seeing every week. Go and see. Second, go and tell. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. 
Christians have been doing this ever since the very first Christmas, going and telling other people about what they have discovered. If you're here this evening again, as someone who has been invited to come along, we are so thankful that you're here, so glad you're here, and we pray that what you hear would amaze you. Go and tell. Finally, go and worship. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You get the sense, I think, with Mary that she doesn't really understand everything. And yet somehow she understands that this child held in her arms is the greatest treasure the world is ever going to receive. And you don't have to understand everything in order to worship. The shepherds, they seem to understand a little bit more. They, they go back to their fields, rejoicing, convinced that what they've heard and seen is true. Jesus is saviour. He offers us salvation from sin. Jesus is Messiah. He commands us to submit to him as our own king. Jesus is Lord. He is our creator. Come to earth so we can know him for ourselves. May each one of us, in their own unique ways that God is calling us to tonight, go and see, go and tell, go and worship. Amen.